Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Lowdown. Today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Martin Raffelt. Martin is currently host of the Spielgeist podcast and he's also one of the renowned guys at Spiel für Lagerun who are now doing new work with the Spiel für Lagerun Academy. Martin, welcome to the show. Hi, uh, gl- uh, glad to be here. You're doing it. Uh, you're doing it quite well. Like the pr- the pronunciation, Spielverlag. Most English speakers struggle a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I, I'm doing my best. I did basic level German. Well, I was going to say for two years. It was actually five years oh, yeah. back in Ireland. So <laughs> yeah, you can count cool. one to ten. That's for sure. But um, I mean, we we're just what? speaking off camera, Martin. Obviously, last night mm-hmm. you're coming to this podcast this morning, fresh off another seminar with the Spiel für Lagerun Academy. Yeah, obviously you've begun your own podcast recently. Could you tell me about your latest two ventures? Um, yeah, the academy is something that we started last uh, last year with the Spielverlagerung. Figured um, there would be a nice idea to to get in touch with uh, with coaches more. Like we were usually, of course, tactic blog where talking about tactics um, and and just put our content out there. And I figured it would be nice probably to to do some seminars and and to like do it a little bit more. Go a little bit more in in depth, um, presenting it in a little bit uh, different way, and and inviting coaches, and also get the discussion rolling. We had the uh, last year, we had the first seminar that we tried was uh, coaching and analysis, which was about uh, like the connection, how how analysis and coaching is, is connected, and um, then based on this, many we had like over four hundred participants there. And um, many of them were asking for a platform where we where we could meet, like to to analyze games together. And this is something that we do now. Also, what I did yesterday, um, like the the, the uh, as analysis workshop basically. And also, what I launched recently is a um, attacking play seminar, which is starting in May, uh, and will be like it's three seminars, very very big, and we. Uh, want to present a lot of uh, a lot of uh, concepts and ideas behind attacking play in football, which is like exclusively for that basically, and and try to give a bit of a more, um, yeah, fundamental idea of how attacking works in football. Fantastic, and I mean, obviously that's the present day, right, Martin? We're just speaking about your illustrious past there off camera. If we're going to bring it back to the very start, could you please take us through your earliest football memory? My earliest football memory. Wow. Um, let's go. <laughs> Depends on like what sort of memory we are asking for, because like I have like kind of memories from early childhood, just playing football, right? Because I, I was playing football since I'm like three years old. Uh, I remember that that like on my sixth birth birthday, my my mother drove me to to football club to to make me play the real football um this is a, a memory i have i remember the, the 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 first game that i played there the first real football game that i played and how i just running there and like in like tunnel visioned on on certain situations i don't know this is this is probably the earliest i think yeah well, was it apparent early on to you, Martin, that football was an obsession, or yeah, that it was going to be an obsession? Yeah, when 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 I was sick as a as a kid, I was usually the the thing that I asked at the doctor was like, when can I play football again? So I was really like 
usually every day after school or something like that, uh, calling friends to to meet uh, outside and, and play. So, and I was yeah, playing all the time with no break throughout my whole youth. So, yeah, it, it was always very very present for me. And what was it about the game that appealed most? Was it the aesthetic? Was it following a certain team? Because obviously, most people know, right? You're a big Borussia Dortmund fan. Yeah, but mm, yeah, this was like part of it, probably. I think the 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 most important thing was just like enjoyment with with the game itself, just handling the ball, doing doing actions, making decisions, moving with the ball. The the things that are fun when you're a kid and you're you're playing football, it's just very. I I think I think the 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 key to the secret of football a little bit why it's so successful, uh, and why so many people um get into it somehow is that it's such a uh it's such a nice and complex task which is still very intuitive. Like it's complex but still very intuitive, right? You you just can. Give me a ball and I play. No matter what what I did before, I I can I can start right away. I I don't need any explanation, nothing. I just like I kick on the ball and it flies somewhere, and I can move with the ball. And it's 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 difficult, but I'm getting better and better when I when I do it. And and like you're moving your body, you're trying to connect with the ball. You have this technical aspect, and as there are also opponents, and there is a goal that you try to achieve, which is very simple and intuitive. And I think this this like. It it speaks to the to the human needs in in a in a very full way. I think like like it triggers it triggers so many it triggers so many things that you like to do. Obviously, you found yourself a group of people too, right, Martin? At that very time, which you were formulating your ideas about the game online, you know, people like Rene Marich, Eddie Schmidt, and you guys ended up setting up what was known as Spielverlager, well, still known as Spielverlagerin at the time. Obviously. I don't know who will be listening to this episode, but predominantly we have a largely English football-speaking audience. And of course, yeah. you've been catering towards the masses quite recently. But for those that don't know, could you please um, bring us up to speed as to the work Spiel Verlagerin does? Um, we were always like, our idea, our, our basic idea was to understand football, basically, and to discuss football. It was mostly like we all, most of, most of us started to write about football in small forums just to discuss football and then we all of us we were publishing some things uh just as to to, to push the discussion basically and at some point um we realized okay people want to read this and we we figured that we could just build a platform based on that and and just put everything out there so we have a good platform because like Back then, there was there was no place in the in in the internet really where you could discuss football. There were a couple of small forums, niche uh, corners of 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 the of the internet, but there was not nothing like this was before Twitter, I think. And 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 there was there was no network or place where we where would put your stuff. So we 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 um came up with this uh, blog. I actually not me, but the other guys. I joined after like I I did my own blog back then, and I joined after a couple of months, and um. And the idea was really to discuss to discuss football and uh, to go into details and understand the game uh, and obviously very much on a, on the tactical level. So that we only talk tactics, but but this is obviously the the thing that that's most unique probably about us that we go into very very deep levels of uh, football tactics and um, yeah try to try to give a platform for 
for tactical ideas and tactical analysis and uh, general football analysis and um, yeah, everything that's that's about understanding football, I think. And I mean, some of those earlier articles I remember reading, especially the one about Guardiola, the one about the half space is absolutely incredible. Yeah. And ones which are still references for me to this very day. But you look at, I mean, again, fellow writers at the time that you were surrounded by, such as Rene Marich, Ed Schmidt, I mean, yourself, Martin, you all made the jump into pro football at some level or stage. What was so unique about that network that you found yourself in growing together as a team? Um, what was so unique about the, the, the what group? Was so, yeah, what was so unique about that group of people that you were surrounded with at the time? Mm. I, I, I think in, in retrospect, I'm not sure if we were aware back then, but in retrospect, I, I think we were very, very lucky to find very talented uh, people. Um, because I, I think the analysis that we did in the beginning is obviously um, much on a much lower level than, than what we would do today, uh, because we learned a lot in the, in those 10, 12 years. Um, but uh, we, we, were, we were very original in our thinking i think and 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 we did we 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 did more we we didn't we didn't i think when i when i look at the analysis today many people are trying to do things that look like analysis so they draw a couple of circles draw a couple of, of lines on, on on the board and they say look this is a formation look this is a structure and they think that's analysis because it looks like analysis but it's it's not they they don't do the thinking to the end they don't come up with conclusions they don't come up with conclusions like we should do this we should do that this is what the other team could do against that and this is a good option because this is hard to defend because it puts the opponent into this um situation and it's not easy to solve this situation and uh, stuff like this so thinking thinking ahead and we are we're naturally because because our idea was not we want to publish tactical analysis because this couldn't be an idea because back then there was no tactical analysis basically there was zonal marking which was something but we didn't like zonal marking that much uh it was a reference for us but it was not we were no big fans we felt like we, we can do this better somehow and um we we just we just wanted to really understand it and um we're happy, we're lucky that we found other smart people who who had the same urge. And I I think honestly a very big aspect was just having Rene there because because Rene is, is naturally so talented with like with thinking overall generally and also with football like he's also a very talented football uh, football player. He, he sees so many things on the pitch. He's so fast um, that uh, having him as like focus point of the whole group helped us all to, to develop to develop a lot and to learn a lot from him and um I, I think we we were uh we were able we were able to 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 take many things from him and and uh, bring in our own um our own ideas as well and yeah it, it was really like for for myself the 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 key of Spielverlagerung and what Spielverlagerung really is and was and still is today actually is is a group of people who are discussing football every day. So I just I just sent like I think an hour ago I sent Rene a, a message with, with with an idea that I had, and, and this like this still happens all the time after twelve years. And this is this is what we really are that like just a group who is obsessed with with discussing football in in every possible way. And um, this is just very 
natural for us and enjoyable for us and and that's why we keep doing it it's not like we have some external force that like that we want to be rich or popular or something like that uh, it's it's just that we enjoy the topic and um this um this passion is is i think something that is a big luck for us to to have this passion and to find people who share this passion in this way i think to have that fuel it goes well it goes twofold really there's something there when you're on your own mission in football to learn and to grow and to develop within the game but there's something else when you're doing it as a band of brothers or as a team like you guys have done over the past 11 to 12 years and that doesn't seem to stop and it doesn't seem to cease at all but Mm -hmm. again you touched upon there's specific tactical platforms out there nowadays or blogs let's say where there is a pre-described end in mind where the aesthetic is far more important than the substance that's within it and i think that's always been the unique feel and aspect of a school for allegro and you see the graphic design really hasn't changed that much has it the last mm-hmm. 10 12 years but you can see on a regular basis it's all about not the end in mind but the substance but solving problems providing delicate mm-hmm. solution modern trends within the game which is so it, cool it, it was it was funny that like a thing that we were often confronted with uh something that that people criticized us for is like the, that we use difficult language and many were saying like you only you only use difficult language to make you sound more intelligent and to to like to make it sound important and to make it sound big and this is so funny if you, if you actually look what we did to create publicity we, we we were so ignorant in this aspect like we didn't care at all about who is reading this? Who do we reach? How many people are reading this? We were just like putting our stuff out, and and we're hoping for some good discussion. And if we if we would if we would if we would have wanted to be more successful, we would have dumped it down all the time. Like when I do something for for uh like newspaper or something like that where I actually get paid, I don't get paid for Spielverlagerung. I get paid for a newspaper. When I do for a newspaper, I have to do it much more simple. I have to uh, scratch all the all the fancy words and and explain it very very simple. Um, sometimes they they even like they delete things that are, in my opinion, important for explanation, but but they think it's it's too far going and and they they don't want to have it. So so that's what's successful. That's what works actually. If you keep it simple, if you if you pull it down and and if if our idea would have been to be successful with this we we would have the exact opposite approach really and i mean obviously we weren't doing it for the publicity but it did reach public eyes and one of the eyes yeah. it reached was that of thomas tuchel who's at mindset mm-hmm. at the time how did all that come about Martin? Uh, this they, they told us that they back then they were searching they were beating bayern and we wrote an article about it and uh they were actually like checking newspapers and like checking the media if somebody understood what they did against Bayern. Like they were proud that they did it and and they 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 checked for if if the public realized it. And um, doing that, they they stumbled over our article and and we apparently um, analyzed uh, pretty accurately what what they did in this game. And that's why they decided to to invite us and and uh, get to know us. And um, yeah, we met with with uh, Tuchel and his staff in in Mainz in 2012, and for like one and a half years or something. And that we did some opponent uh, analysis for them. 
and um, yeah, this was our first first confirmation and our first step in in professional football, uh, where we realized okay, because back then we were basically working in thin air. We didn't uh, um, we didn't have actual information from professional football. We were just a couple of young guys working from home, and um, back this was the first time where we got uh, where we got the confirmation that that we are going in the right direction. Basically, it was quite important. And I mean, at the time, obviously putting a lot of the ideas that you had transcribed in paper, right, into practice with the opposition scouting. What were the big lessons that you learned working under two Glen Mites for that year and a half? Mm, I can't pinpoint it because we were we were not so much in touch with him at this point. We were working basically. We 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 wrote reports for his video analysis. Um, and that was that. Basically, we just delivered them. Uh, so it was not that, that there was much for us to learn from them because we didn't get so much feedback or input from them. We just gave them input. Um, what we probably learned was just like still analyzing games and and how to communicate this uh, because because obviously um, we we still did the work. We we analyzed uh, uh, the opponents and and if you do work, you always learn something from that. But it was not so much different than our day-to-day work where we just analyzed football, I think. Yeah, because, I mean, it was around that time, right? 2015, 16, 17, obviously, you had your work at Spiel für Lagerun. You were doing a little bit of work for the paper. You had wrote a book at the time about Jürgen mm-hmm. Klopp. You took the mm-hmm. jump back into coaching at the time. So what I'm intrigued to learn a little bit more, Martin, about, like, obviously, doing so much work in the, in the analyst scene, I mean, getting into coaching, what was your biggest gap bringing a lot of this stuff into practice? There were so many gaps. I, I really, I after after doing coaching for a couple of months, I, I was like, why did I not start earlier? Because I, I, I tried to, my idea was back then, or what I felt was like, if I start coaching, I want to be really good and I want to have a really good understanding. So I will first work on my understanding before I actually apply it. Um. I guess that's what you learn how to that's how you learn it in our society that you first you first study and then you work right so this was I guess the idea that I had in my mind back then as well and when I actually started to work I felt like okay you learn so much from the work itself I should have just started before and just work and study in parallel yeah I think this is a much better approach so I, I'm I'm a little bit envious of, of people who get into coaching at the age of like 16 uh, or the, I, I had some guy in my seminar who was like I think 15 years old and he tells me I'm doing coaching for two years already and I'm like whoa this guy is becoming really good probably because he has so much time advantage in, in, in front of me and it will be by the by the time he's becoming 22 it's already completely natural for him to lead a team right so yeah many many things to learn um I think one one thing was that we were obviously analyzing professional football. So we were analyzing on the top level where many of the fundamentals are given. So for example, what what what's a big topic and like a key topic in football is how how do I defend, how do I control depth? Because pro, but professional defenders know how to control depth. It's not that you can just kick balls over the head and you score goals. This in professional football, this almost never happens. Uh, while on youth football, it happens all the time. 
So it's it's uh, it's a super important fundamental. But when you come from from analyzing professional football, you have no idea about it uh, because you never see this happen. And um, there were many of of these things of, of fundamentals and and also obviously about the process, how to get a team towards a certain level and and what are the things that they can do by themselves and what are the things that you have to tell them and how long does it take to work on a certain thing and and how do how do i put my priorities down because obviously you have you you get with this mind in, into this that you you have so many ideas what you could do in football and you saw so many teams and we could do this and that and this i, I like this and i like that and like can you do this and you, try, you work on so many things and you try to, to put so many ideas into, into practice that um then at the end you work on on nothing and and just uh having a general idea and and having a good priority prioritization and knowing what to do first and having an idea how like when i work on this topic with a team how long does it take them to actually uh being able to consistently do it um and and how how much do i have to push them there and what are the tools that i can use to push them there this is obviously uh, all things that i that i had to had to learn and like when i started coaching i i re like i didn't start coaching in a way where i thought hey i'm a good coach i want to coach i started it with the, with the idea of like okay i think i know how to play football in a good in, in a good tactical way but i have no clue how to get it towards a team so i have no clue how good i, I am as a coach so i, I think this was a, this was a, this was a good thing to start with that I, that i knew that that i knew nothing about about the actual about the transfer of knowledge and um obviously in in this aspect i, I learned a, a ton and and i learned like I had like in the first half a year as a coach, I sometimes I felt burned out because I had so much. I I, I took, I took up so much, so many informations doing one training sessions. I saw so many things and tried to connect the dots, and 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 exactly observe what happens when I do this in training. What happens when I give the player this input? How does he uh, work with this input? And and this was sometimes like exhausting because I I, I tried to. To develop so much and, and learn so much in so little time it's interesting because when you speak to some coaches on this podcast i mean they get a little bit burnt they get a little bit stressed about worrying about the game day result mm. for you it's the training process and it's cool because <laughs> i mean similarly to analysis really you can't really focus so much on the end in mind or the aesthetic or the result you have to learn how to enjoy that process and that's something which you seem to grow into with the coaching yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. In the in the beginning, it was very stressful, but if you, if you if you get the get get the neck, is is, yeah. is, is this a the phrase? Neck, yeah, yeah, a phrase, the right? neck, yeah, yeah. Um, then then it becomes more and more fun, and and you you like every time when you plan a training session, you make a um a a, a prediction that this will work and this will be good input for the team, and sometimes you get out of the training session and you realize nah, today it was not was not really we made this mistake and this mistake and this didn't work and this was not a good training session and obviously with more experience you you make more and more often the right prediction and you know what will happen and you can you can tune the right things and and at some point you learn how to adapt on the fly when it doesn't work in training you 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 change this and you change that and then it works and then and then you always or most of the time you have a good training session and and you come up with the right coaching points uh, in the, in the right moment and and you just realize, okay, I I delivered those information 
this information very very well and and then it becomes a good flow and a good uh, and very enjoyable experience right and to, i mean of course and then to expedite that learning curve i mean you know you look at any great protagonist's journey or apprenticeship you need to be surrounded by role models and mm. fortunately for you you've had two in your life as a Borussia Dortmund fan you've had Jurgen Klopp <laughs> and a Hajduk split you had Mario Despadovic but to focus on Klopp for a second because it's been interesting in preparation for this podcast reading you reading about you in interviews and listening to various podcasts on different platforms you were quite you were quite critical of your earlier work about Klopp as obviously yeah, tells, yeah you had you had authored that book about Klopp's tactics. However, at the time you'd done little or no coaching. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What I what I just said, right? I did I did have no I, I did this book before I started coaching. So all those all those things that I just mentioned, all those things about transferring the work and like what are fundamentals, what are things you have to work on. Um many of these things uh are not part of the book where where it's probably Many of those aspects are things where Klopp is especially good, and it's a bit of a shame to not mention them. Um, but I guess it also makes sense to like the filter that we had back then was a top level filter, like explain why this extremely good team is better than this extremely good team, right? Two, two Champions League teams against each other is both will be on a very high level. Like you always say, like oh they were they were losing three 0 they are not a good team. But put this team against any team in the world and they will crush them, right? So um, you you exp you you have this filter that you only explain the differences between top performances basically. And if you talk about top level performances, if you talk about Klopp and you you don't compare Klopp to a random coach somewhere in some village somewhere in the world, but you compare Klopp to other top coaches and you compare Klopp's teams to other top teams, then I think this filter is reasonable in, in a way. So I, I think it wasn't terrible. Um I sometimes read a little bit in it and, and I'm I'm I tend to be positively surprised by it because like in my memory it's like I'm not happy with this at all. And then I read it and I'm like, oh yeah, this is a good idea. This is a good idea. Because sometimes also I had good ideas in the past and then I have new ideas and I forget the old ideas. And then sometimes I revisit them and realize, oh, the old ideas were also like maybe not that good, but but it's still like it's it's a nice like I like the direction where it goes. <laughs> of course, and I mean you look at the influence of Klopp. One other great coach that's had a tremendous influence on your career. Indeed, you're fresh from a stint now at Hajduk split over the past few years in Croatia as well. Merida Spadovic. How did that relationship come about? Yeah, uh, this is this started all with, with your club, obviously, FC London yeah. in Ontario. Um, yeah, uh, Despa um, is, uh, he grew up in Germany. He's Croatian, but moved to Germany when he was, I don't know, five or something like that. So he he spent his, uh, most of his youth youth in in, in Germany. So he is um, a fluent uh, German speaker and uh, was uh, he's very very ambitious and and very smart and tries to to pick up new influences and develop further. And in in this process, um, he also found our website and got in uh, contact with us and and we were texting a little bit and such and. Um, yeah, he, he mostly knew me from some some chat group that we that we had where I sometimes would post my 
training exercises or something like that. And um, I guess he liked it. And he invited me to to the international uh, coaching camp in, in um, uh, from the FC London. And um, uh, René was also there and Marcel Lukasen and, and uh, Tomislav Butina. And uh, yeah, we, we had a very great time there. Um, this was probably first time for me that I worked with the um, international top coaches, basically, and and it was very nice that that we were immediately on on one wavelength. Uh, everybody basically, well, it was really it was a fantastic week where everybody learned a lot and we had great talks. And uh, based on that, he he decided that that he would like to have me as his assistant coach. And when he when he moved back to Croatia and uh, took the job at Hajduk uh, Split. He asked me if I if I want to be his assistant, and then we made this happen. I say those weeks must have been incredible here, Trevor. I know you were here in both twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen at FC London to be flying all with, between those conversations with Marcel, Mario, Rene, and yourself must have been incredible. Do you still have the notes from those weeks? I don't take notes. I wait, oh. uh, but I sometimes chat with people, so this is my way of taking notes. And sometimes I revisit old chats. And I sometimes come up with like conclusions from thoughts that I write down. So like a like a small type of of a playing model or a certain model of concepts that I have in mind or something that that I write down. But I'm I, I don't take notes in a way like this was my realization. No, I'm, I'm I think I I'm I think I'm pretty quick in when it comes to um, implementing realizations into my thought process i think many people struggle with that like when when you tell some somebody an idea which makes sense and and like changes their way of thinking many have this aha effect that is that they realize ah that makes sense that makes sense i didn't think about it before and then they it takes them quite a long time to actually implement it and very often they just fail to implement it they, they realize ah yeah i'm doing this mistake and then it just continue doing this mistake without actually changing the thought process and i i think i'm i'm quite obsessed with i'm obsessed with thinking errors in a way and when i realize there's something like missing in my thinking process and i have a new idea i'm trying this idea out in my mind all the time and i'm applying it to different contexts so i i'm i'm working with this idea very very like a lot all the time basically and try to observe this idea in in other contexts and and by i think this is a very important process for me which uh, allows me to to just imp implement this idea very quickly in my whole thought process and and that's why i think i, I never felt the the urge to take notes because the things that are really interesting for me they stick with my mind anyway yeah and i suppose but i mean the game and life equally moving so quick you would have had that too at Hyduck Split. I mean, the stint that you had there, I mean, do you look at the tremendous work in terms of that club has done, in terms of, you could call it a talent factory, the amount of players, the amount of good coaches that have come through the system. In fact, you look at recent results, they have a UEFA Youth League final to look forward to. Yeah. What was so special about your time at the club there? Mm. Well, first of all, for me, it was the first time that I worked on, on high level. Um, which was a great experience, and then I was very lucky that that this was the place where I was allowed to work on high level because it's a very special place with a very special fo uh, football culture and also club tradition, which which means that um, uh, they they're so the the level of football, uh, the natural level of football just 
as a base on the streets there in the in the people's mind um is so high that it allows you to do many many things like there are just so many good football players that you can work on a really high level with them um, very quickly and you're not you're not wasting time on um teaching teaching kids uh how how to pass from a to b right you, you don't you don't you don't have to to you don't have to tell them basics they know the basics they they are good football players they're creative they're finding solutions and you're working with them on on how they play together what solutions is what solution is better than the other solution and and how can we even get more from our abilities and and uh, this kind of stuff so you you work on a you work on a pretty 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 good level there um the, just the the, the the fundament the fundament is, is great in this region and uh, then I was very lucky that at this time in the academy we also had a a really really nice group of people, um, very ambitious, young, smart, uh, and 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 very open to new ideas. Um, still, everybody brought their own ideas in, and and uh, we all tried to develop and try to. Everybody had I think this this vision like okay. There is we see this in in top level football right now. We see Guardiola, we see Klopp, we see Conte, we see all those coaches, and and the, those teams of of these guys, they are different than normal football teams, right? They are so well organized. They have they they know so good what they are doing, and they have so clear ideas. And we want to do the same. We also want to create teams which are really really good teams, which have a really really good idea, which are tactically superior to to other to the other teams they are meeting and th this was the ambition from everybody there and we all work together on a daily basis to get there um, and and we like many 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 a big part of our of our work was basically uh in the morning in the evening before work after work sitting down for coffee and discuss football and come up with new ideas and discuss ideas and discuss experiences that we made and find solutions for problems that occur and um this uh, environment was was uh, great i think for everybody to to um, develop there's two words i want to touch upon there in all that you said martin environment and tradition we begin with mm -hmm. environment i mean for me personally that's where i find the best learning takes place it's not necessarily the formal structure learning but it's the informal chats over cups of coffee just watching down viewing highlights watching a game of football mm -hmm. yeah yeah sure this is where um I mean, I guess it's both a little bit because, like the 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 practical the practical aspect is also the practical aspect shows you the the mistakes that you make, right? On when when you when you discuss football, you come up with a solution. It's in your mind, and in in your mind, it's perfect. And when you actually apply it, the reality will show you what's the what's the issue, what what is not perfect about the solution. And this is also very 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 important learning, I think. Uh, so. Yeah, this is actually like when fans discuss football, they always have the great solution. They always say, "Ah, just put this player and you win everything." And like, let them coach for one month, and they will put this player, and they will realize, "Oh shit, I don't win everything when I do this." So, um, this is a very important realization, and uh, this this is very important to to not just like fantasize about things, but actually come up with real solutions. So obviously, and then the second part of what we spoke about there, Martin, is the tradition piece of the club. And for yeah. me, when I look at the tradition piece of the club, it's really unique and interesting when you have good people in the building, because for me, it's like a symbiotic relationship, right? You have the club 
And if the club is steeped in tradition, it molds the coach. But also when you have good people, like, for instance, yourself and the Spotify there at the time, working together over those ideas, over coffee and whatnot, it's also molding the future of the club. But how important how important really is it now in your reflections on your time at High Duck Split is that tradition mm. piece of youth development. Doesn't need to be there. What what's what's special about it is that um like Haiduk has a very, very big meaning for the society there, for the people. They they just love the club and it's just it's very it's very important. It's a piece of their identification and um um it brings the people together and this uh in a, like playing in a club that is this meaningful uh, gives a player uh like it it automatically makes you makes you very very um well focused right you 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 have to you have to give everything and it's automatically it's an honor and it's it's it makes you proud and you want to live up to that uh, there is a, a certain danger that the the players feel um like like they basically reach too much too early like they can become a little bit arrogant in the sense of like hey, I'm I'm playing for Hajduk I'm probably same in other big clubs like when you when you put a 14 year old uh, take him from his village and put him to Barcelona he will like there's a big chance that he's like hey I'm playing for Barcelona who are you playing for Right, mm -hmm. so this this is certain this is certain uh, danger that 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 is in that, uh, which you like when when you're on a smaller club, uh, I think that there is a better chance that the that the players are stay humble and and disciplined and work hard for for their goals, while on a big club they sometimes can feel like they have already reached their goals and and everything else will be automatic for them. Uh, this is something that you got to deal with. But um, generally, I think it's an advantage, um, and it also makes you. I think what's what's important for me is that also the the work feels important. Um, I guess as a coach, you always have a very nice feedback if if you can really help the team and help the players. You always have a nice feedback from from the team and and a couple of people around the team that like they value you for for your work for you helping them, um, but. If you have as an extra this external factor that that you do something which is really meaningful for people, um, then it's an extra it's an extra motivation to to do your best and to to go the extra mile and 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 it's just like also it's just a great experience to be part of that right so uh, I'm I'm out of the club for two years but um, when 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 they they played Heidu played in Dortmund uh, in front of my door basically. Like the club of childhood against the club of where I worked for in the in the youth league quarterfinals in in this big stadium in Dortmund, and and like watching this game, this made me so proud and so happy just to see that like I I gave some input. Like obviously that's not my team, but I gave some input for the development and and to for this environment they grew up in, and and now they are here playing against Borussia Dortmund. In, in this stadium and reaching the youth league finals, uh, this this makes you very proud and make makes it very special. Yeah, important to have had that old vested ownership really in the process too, because mm. there's something about when you're at a club like that that's steeped in tradition, but also when you feel like you're playing your part in the whole encompassing vision of protecting that player's pathway. And the, to couple in with that, Martin too, you look at the fan 
base that they have. The affiliation is incredible and unique. The semi-final last week to see thousands of people travel for that game. Yeah, I've never yeah. seen it in my life. Yeah, that's absolutely crazy. And this is also like, I always have this feeling that it's so different when when you are in a club with a big history and you are in the stadium following the the, the game. What 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 can happen is that in in a, in a in a, in, a, in a game that takes place in a in a historical stadium with a with the fan base like this, every action feels meaningful. Every action is important suddenly. And usually when you when you watch football on a certain on, on a pitch somewhere, it's just like. Well, there are just some actions happening, and let's see what happens. And if it goes good, it's fine. If it goes bad, then whatever. And and in in uh, in 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 those cases, in those stadiums, um, the football is is important, and everything that you do is important. And this is so special that that you that you yeah, that you play the game, and every decision that you make, every step that you take. Uh, is is a is an important thing and is a meaningful thing and this this adds a whole another another layer to the game I think yeah it's pretty incredible and I think that sense of feeling is everything that we all yearn for inside football mm -hmm. um I mean Martin I mean as we begin to take the podcast to a close I mean we've begun speaking about football tactics I think it's only right that we end speaking about the subject of the day which is football tactics and I have to take you back now to a tweet a thread that you sent out in mm -hmm. the middle of January this year that got quite a lot of traction and generated a lot of ideas too inside FC London. Mm -hmm. Heard a lot of talking points too. Oh. And it, it, the, the following goes as the core football tactics and its evolution is to give all players a function. The great ideas in football are all about involving the team in one concept. Fred continues, the idea of modern tactics is to force the opponent into having no function. So that's simple. Yeah. Is it simple? Uh, it's short, simple. but I think it's not simple. <laughs> like, uh, I, I, I guess many people would not be able to explain very accurately was it what it means. Like, what is a function of a player, right? Um, but, but I, I think this is, uh, this is the most. I, I wouldn't. I like one thing that I want to to highlight here is that I not think that it's all like. That football tactics is only that and has to be only that, and it's always about that. I think this is more of like a starting point where football starts to become good, and and football when when you don't have this criteria, uh, like when when you have teams where players don't have a function, and and they are doing nothing when when players doing nothing on the pitch and don't contribute to the situation, I think this is where football is bad. Like when only three, when only seven players play against each others, and the other ones are just standing there and waiting for for their involvement, but they are not actually trying to contribute to the situation. I think this is where I feel that that they don't play well when when everybody is when everybody is is involved and everybody has an idea what to do and everybody's active and you have actually eleven active players against eleven active players. This is always when I feel that this is good football now that, that's being played. Whoever is better than the other, right? But but this is this is a good level now, and and um, I think this is one of the key things to do because uh, eleven against eleven is so complex that it's very difficult for individual for most individual players to to understand in every situation what they can contribute and what they should do, um, because sometimes you are like 
eight players are around the ball and you are sometimes somewhere 30 meters away and it's not quite obvious what you can do in this situation and how you can contribute and and um to to develop an idea in every situation that you can how to contribute to a situation i think is is the, one of their main skills and to just stay active and like activity is is two things first of all you have to have the capacity to stay active like when you're tired in your mind or in your body and you can't do anything anymore then you won't be active you, you want to rest uh but there's also the factor that you 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 are capable of doing something but you don't know what to do and you will just be inactive because you have no idea in the situation. And this is something that that I really want to get rid of with every player. I want every player to, to have an idea in every situation. And um, the the big tactical um, things that like those teams that were really successful in 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 the in the in football and the things that really developed football were always like the whole team is having this approach. And this is the tasks that every player has inside of this approach. So it was always to to put one player on the same page in order to to have to make everybody have a function. And what I what I said in a, in a, in a second um, in like the, the most simple the most simple the most simple example for that is actually man marking, which was developed in the 60s 70s, um, which was not played before, right? Actually, in the 50s it was also played a little bit, but then it was a little bit zonal marking and blah, but but this like full man marking and we have a libero behind that. This was a new idea that they came up with at, at some point. And um, even that 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 we just say everybody plays man, we play, we play full man marking on the pitch. Even that the idea is everybody has a, has a function, right? If everybody takes an opponent, then everybody has a function. Nobody is is inactive. Um, so yeah. And then actually a, a, a revolution of this was to have the uh, libero higher up the pitch so he can be more active because the libero is in man marking very often inactive. He's just there waiting for the moment where he has to be active. And if you if you like Matthias Sommer played the role in a way where he was joining midfield all the time, so he was more often active. So they were more often playing with eleven players in, 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 instead of just ten. And like having the goalkeeper involved in build-up or having the goalkeeper involved also in pressing where he comes out and, and intercepts passes. This is also a, a step further to involving every player in the same uh, on the same page, right? So um, I think this is basically the, 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 the basic starting point. And then um, the where it becomes complex and where it becomes difficult um, and which will be the future more and more is uh, what functions should I take what functions do we need? Do we need, uh, when we attack, how many players do we need in a defensive function? How many players do we need in a, in a function where they give depth? How many players do we need in a function where they give width? And and how do we put this together? And how do we can make it difficult for the opponent to have functions? Like we get more and more those situations where, where players overload, uh, teams where teams overload one side very heavily. Uh, an idea of that is, that the, def the, that the defense cannot follow this. So you will have some players in between the far side and the close side who don't know, do I join the close side and I give the far side up completely or do I stick on the far side but I leave a gap somewhere in the middle of the pitch or I stay in between and maybe I'm just in, in the air and have no function at all. So uh, it becomes difficult for the opponent to, to make the decision what function they should take in, 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 this, uh, in this situation. So I I think this is like the next step where we are going now because I think 
uh, with with the tactical revolution of the last 10 20 years um there are so many coaches who who have a basic idea of how to make a team work together in possession without the ball and in transition that like you have many many teams that that are on the same page that have a common idea and where every player has a function but now it's becoming more about the details and what functions do we take and how do we put them together pretty unique and it's such an objective way of looking at the game. You can't help but think it's not only useful at the very top of the pro game, but there's something that you can be doing in the youth level too. Sure. But you know what? Before we close, Martin, I mean, you've a pretty unique seat at the front of this incoming tactical revolution, I have to say too, because, I mean, fresh from your pro experience at Hyduck Split, you're obviously still involved as a Spielberg Lagerun. You know, speaking with these guys involved at the pro level on a daily basis. You're also, as you spoke about in this podcast, educating the next generation, be they only 13-year-old coaches, so on and so forth. <laughs> but, I mean, if you, where do you see the future of the game headed from a tactical standpoint? Mm, I think that, most importantly, I, I think the biggest step from this, like, there are two things. Like, I think especially top-level football will become, will develop more and more into this extremely intense way of playing where everybody's uh, pressing, where everybody's even probably more extreme than today focused on ball situations and then as a result as a result of that and hopefully because um, coaches and people generally realize more what it means to play the game well, I hope that there, there will be the, the 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 development of the players will be much better. But when you look at when you look at when you think that Busquets, Xavi, Iniesta, and Messi came from the same academy in just a few years, and Messi is, I think, the only one who who got who got bought. Basically, the other the three grew up there, and then you you get an idea how much quality you can develop. Right, and I think we are we we took one step in this direction when we look at how much quality French defenders have, or how much how many good players Belgium puts out as a small country, for example, or also Croatia. Um, then you get an idea uh, where where it's going. But but I think there are still many many aspects uh, in in youth development which can be much better, where you can give the players more freedom and where you can explain them the game early on better so they develop with a better mind and and when you when you have a better basic understanding of the game and you have a better idea what to do um then uh, they will become better players and especially when it comes to like ball control dribbling solving solutions we are still a, a lot of education a lot of youth development is telling the players how to avoid mistakes and how to how to do safe actions how to how to do something th- simple but you develop a player, you become better as a player when you do something hard, when you find the difficult solution, when you do the thing that is technically um, that is technically uh, on a high level, and which is which is not something that you can already do in a stable way, but that you can learn to do in a stable way. And when we focus more and more, when it comes to children, not on letting them play successfully, but letting them play in a way where they can develop new abilities. Uh, then the the development of the players will be much better, and we will have much more players. And I think this, like, we still think very often about like technically gifted players. They are just talented. They just have this. You can't teach this to people. But all of those guys, they learned it. They 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 at some point they tried it, 
And at some point they succeeded with it and then they were able to do it. It's a process of, of learning these abilities. You're not born with it. You're 100% not born with it. This is something that everybody not everybody can learn. Different people learn differently fast. Obviously, you still have talent in the sense of different different environment, different training times and different training uh, like improvement speed. But, but still, uh, you can teach players... Uh, creative. You, you can teach players creativity. You can play, teach players technique. It's not. It's not something that occurs magically. Um, you have to put them in an environment where they can try things out, and by trying things out, develop them. Uh, and I think if, if we get this idea through to to everybody, and everybody uh, is is working with with this mindset and is actually trying to to push players into situations where they where they can come up with with technical solutions. Um, I think then we will have a, a football in the future where we will have so many good and gifted players that we will have much more attractive football because we will have still mistakes here and there because you have fluctuation in, in biomechanical things, obviously. But but you will have so much more players who are who are good in feeling a situation, understanding a situation and coming up with a good solution for the situation. Um. This is today, like this was in the past. This was a privilege of a few players. Now, like they're becoming more and more of these players, which, which can do that. And I think in the future, there, there will be a point where basically in, in professional football, almost every player will be a great player, not, not only in terms of physical abilities and such, but also in terms of how they see the game, how they understand the game, how they make decisions in the game and how they can come up with solutions with the ball and such. Apparently, exciting times ahead, Martin, and where to go so. to be. Yeah, where to go to be at the precipice of it. I mean, for me, there's again, it's again, you say make it make do of it what you will, but there's never been a more exciting t time to be involved in football. Mm -hmm. Look, the revolution that's happened in the game, and indeed, what these last few years post COVID have brought in terms of revolution, in terms of synthesizing ideas from theory into practice. I mean, I, for one, am very excited to see where this goes in the future. I mean, yep, for yep. you yourself, you've been through all of this. I mean, I've hope I, I hope I've done a good job today in kind of documenting your career today. For anyone that's that little bit compelled to learn more and inspired about your journey today, what advice would you have for them in pursuing their own path into the footballing industry? Well, that's a difficult question, I, I guess. Uh when you think about career, the first advice is connect to as many people as as possible. Um, when you when you think about develop yourself and understanding the game, then um, be active, do things about the game, watch games, try to understand games, coach football teams, um, play the game yourself. Something that, that I think don't, not many people have in mind that this is also a huge tool a huge source of learning football just playing it by yourself and um and and always always try to understand in an applicable way and think to the end like don't think okay i heard this word this word makes sense so i learned something but think ahead how can this win you a game how do you apply this how does it show up in the game and how does it win the game for you, for you against an opponent? 
and and when you when you observe something in the game don't don't say oh they did this okay fine this is good because they did this and this was their plan but think think about how did this plan actually lead to chances for them how did this plan uh, plan stop chances from the opponent or gave them ball recoveries be 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 clear and always always think think about actually always think about winning basically because winning is is the ultimate test for for an idea right Incredible. Um, for everyone listening, Martin, what I'll do is I'll include in the show notes below the link to Spiel für Lagerin Academy and your new podcast, Spellgeist, and encourage everyone where you can to subscribe because work and the insights, Martin, what's out there, both profound and incredible. Martin, thank you so much for joining the show. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.